I got this pink Kush from the Dank Forth. Fuck yeah. This is good, was, dude. Is that one t- coming out pretty good? I heard that that pink Kush from Carmo, that limited drop that you guys got in Ontario, was supposed to be just mind-melting. Like, the best pink that ever came out. You didn't like it? It's not that I didn't like it. It's just not the best pink, and it's not their best offering. Yeah. I That, the, that not their best offering, I was expecting, because... You can't really have the Sherman's and the hippie headbanger be replaced by a pink Kush. I just, I don't think the pink has a unique enough profile to make it. Man, you could, if you have like a, a like a proper loud ass Tom Ford, this was, um, dude, it was, it was a lot more earth than anything else. It was like an earth forward pink. It wasn't like a gas forward pink and it definitely wasn't pungent, um, for like, um, what do you call it? Flavor intensity and just like the duration of flavor. It just it wasn't what I was expecting out of Carmel for a for a pink drop. Like especially after everybody's already done pink, yeah. you think they were gonna come out fucking swinging? You know what I mean? They they didn't. The the best pink or pink cross that I've had was that Island Pink Screwhead from Dune. That one was like there isn't a comparable pink for that. Because it had the effect and it had the flavor, but that there was a it was their very first release under I think it was a Diva's Artisan batch. They were under that, and then they got acquired by Bazam, and now Dunes I think doing a very similar system to what Greybeard is with Aurora, where it's like here's the keys, take care of our shit for us. What what did you say the cultivar was? Hold on, I'm gonna write this down because I want to. So they had um. Oh, an island pink screwhead was the was the genetic name. From who? And I'm, and I'm pretty sure I actually did a review on that one. Actually, you said it's from Dunn. Yeah, I'm like 99 sure I actually reviewed that one. My favorite pink that I've tried on the rec market is um, island pink from Simply Bear. Yeah, Simply Bear does a really good job. Yeah, island pink screwhead by Dune. So it would have been, oh, two years ago I uploaded that one. April 12th, 2021. So, yeah, a little over two years ago. I should check it out. I like their flower. I really like uh, Dunn's flower. Yeah. like I've got nothing <laughs> for the quality and the overall product that you get that's negative on Dunn. They always have a consistent quality, consistent experience. It's, it's cultivar selection for me. They aren't picking the genetics that get me excited, which – that's there's nothing wrong with that there's people who are getting excited for their genetics so that's the thing like there there's definitely room for everybody bro because like they're coming out with some fire and it's not like even though it's not our preference in in genetics it's someone's yeah that's why i think there's there's room for all these fucking guys well that's exactly it we go and we look at we go ah fuck maybe next drop it'll be something we're excited about it's not that we're not gonna smoke it it's just there's two or three other companies that have a drop that we'll go and buy first because we're more excited for that genetic. It's more effective for us. It's a little bit more flavor profile. Like there's a million reasons why we go for something over one of the other ones, but it's not quality. <laughs> They've got the quality. We, I'll, I'll give them respect there. They've done a really good job. That grateful breath, amazing looking flower, but I got a distillate based high off of it. So not really my experience. Distillate based high. What, like what was it? Was it infused or something? No, no, it was, it was just a, t- it was one of those, I think it came in at like 32 or 33%. It was one of the first ones that came out with a really high percentage. 
and feel it, the it's like distillate where it was very racy it came on there wasn't a whole lot of direction with the high like you could tell they pheno hunted that for their highest cannabinoid experience without the terpene support if they would have went a little bit stankier on it i think the bud would have hit harder overall honestly you can't the lighting's so bad bro this is actually so white <laughs> um they're uh what's it called those i those flowers i know what you mean you it feels like you hit a dab like yeah. you get that like buzzing up here and you feel the high behind your skin yeah and it's about 15 minutes and then it just kind of dissipates and passes on it's not a bad experience it's just for anybody with any tolerance realistically any higher tolerance they're not going to get that holy fuck high that that genetic could provide for someone that doesn't smoke a bunch it's going to blast them for about 45 minutes but it's no different than them going and taking their first ever dab yeah that kind of shit just fucking levels people bro yeah. like and then like even for somebody's first dab like just having something that crazy it's not even fun, dude. No, nope. you hit like one one good one, you're right to bed. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's why I almost <laughs> like that five ten distillate cartridge. As here's your introduction to what a vapor dab is going to be like. Sip on this so that you can get your lungs used to what the feeling is. Because when you go and you take your dab, most people it's the actual vapor feeling versus the smoke that's yeah, the really lungs that throws them off. It's not the weight because dabs are so much easier to consume once you get used to it's a full lung burn versus just that kind of hot pocket that bongs and joints have you notice that with the flower when you're burning flower you feel the um, that harshness or that cough on the inhale but with dabs you don't it's as soon as you fucking blow the smoke out you feel it ripping your chest out yeah exactly and it's because it's hitting it the vapor is lighter it's a it's able to disperse itself within just the air a lot easier than smoke, like actual combusted smoke is. So it can pass through your lungs a little bit easier. It can go into the smaller alveolar areas a lot easier than smoke can because it's less dense. <coughs> I find That's with the why vapor. you get the full lung versus that kind of sternal burn because smoke will stay in your sternal area, the bigger tubes, longer than vapor will. I feel with the vapor, like I've, my trick, anyway, I don't know if it works for everybody, but, like, I'll exhale, even with my dabs, I'll exhale to the point where I can't exhale anymore before I take in another Coke or, like, even a little bit of air because that'll make you cough because they're fucking vapor still in there. And that's funny because I am I go the opposite way. Like, when I was taking my bong rips or any of my dabs, you always see me. I leave enough space in my lungs to be able to go right at the end to just power everything in there. And for me, that's cooling all of that smoke, vapor, everything in my lungs because I'm bringing cold air in. And then when I exhale, it's not constant, as concentrated as it was on the inhale. So it's a little bit of a lighter. But <laughs> I've got swimmer's lungs. So that I'm used yeah, that to doing me. that. What? I said that kills me. Like when I do, when I, um, I do it anyway to get, because I'm used to bomb. Yeah. So like when I go to take my dab, like I'll <laughs> lift the car cap at the end to try to get that like, big airflow to get all the smoke in my lungs but i noticed that that fucks me up dude and actually especially with the puff go i don't even need to do that to get all the vapor i could keep the cap on i think i'm just doing it based off like muscle memory but i could be wrong well and i i even do it with my carb cap on like that hard like i'll do that that's just become a habit with me and it's 
for me, I, I attribute it to when I was swimming because rhythmic breathing, doing what I would like, what we were calling gut busters, where it's you bury your fucking head and you go to the wall as fast as you can. So you, you, you like, there's been times where I've seen tunnel and I'm looking through an inch wide tunnel while I'm coming into the wall. I'm two or three meters out and I'm just about blacking out in there. So my air control and my lung capacity has been tested and trained over, it was 15 years of swimming. So my ability to control my breathing is a big benefit I have. And I will, <laughs> I will make note of that. <laughs> you could for sure control your like heart rate and stuff too. Then if that's the case, because Bro, for, like, for me, if I were to try to do that kind of shit, I'd panic. So, like, that would throw off my breath. You know what I mean? Like, for you to be able to focus that much on your breathing and be swimming through a fucking tunnel or something, on like, you you for sure know how to control your panic. And it's it's more so just I've put myself in that scenario so many times, right? Like, the first time I started experiencing that tunnel vision during the, the busters, I was scared shitless. I knew what it was happening. Like I understood the knowledge and I knew what was happening, but it was still scary. It took Wait, me. Wait, it wasn't an actual tunnel. Like you were seeing, like it was narrowing in because you weren't breathing. Yeah. Oh, but, so, I thought you meant swimming through a tunnel. Well, that that's just something I do for fucking fun. But the swimming to cause the tunnel vision. So when we were swimming sprints, a fifty meter sprint is when you're swimming a short course pool. It's there and back. Okay. There, There'd be times where it's like, okay, provincials, you got <laughs> like you're you're literally burning as much energy in like tw- thirty seconds or less as you can to swim that fifty meters. Most well, of the guys that are, most of the guys that are swimming that are taking two, maybe three breaths when they're hard sprinting that last lap. So they just bury their head and they go for 15, tw- 15 seconds or less as hard as they can, no breath. Is that because you you're faster underwater? Or is that because you're fat? It's all, it's all about streamline because if you can keep your head down and you can have that water, just essentially like a rocket flying through, you're faster. So it's, and it's one of those things where like you watch some of those professional athletes, some of the major swimmers, like they swim 200 meters in that full on sprint bear and they bury their head for the last 50. Right. So the the swimming, my lung capacity in swimming, when we would come from swimming in the summer and transition into hockey, we had a three to four month lead on every single hockey player just because we would come with our lungs in shape. And we as soon as we'd hit the ice, we would fly like mid season peak performance fly. Me and my brother would actually detrain throughout the winter and have to get back in shape through the summer because hockey was less demanding than swimming. Did you do this before you got healthy? Like and like slim down? Dude, really? Dude, I was dude, I meddled in provincials at 500 pounds. Holy shit, dude. I was swim- I was swimming I was swimming and refing the highest level of hockey and swimming the highest level of swimming that I was when I was at my heaviest. Well, I can't imagine what the hell you could do now. That's why you could do those dab ups. Yeah. Like that's and that's the thing is and it wasn't just it wasn't just swimming and hockey. I played every school sport there was and like tried to play as competitively as possible. So four or five days a week, I was involved in sports and I was still that heavy. And that, that to me, I'm like, if I had actually given a fuck, 
about sports gotten in shape, the amount of high level athletics I could have played, it bothers me now that I well, did. But were you why? I don't get it. If you were that um athletic, how were you even heavy? I just I would eat? fucking eat. Dude, you what the fuck it was it the McDonald's, the dog. Oh, well, it wasn't so much the McDonald's. It was just like for me, like I it was the sports were the only activities I had that actually kept me out of the house. So when I got home, well, I just fucking ate. We didn't really have video games, so I learned how to cook. So I just started <laughs> I found activities that kept me busy and I enjoyed and cooking became a big one of those. So I just got really fucking good at cooking. So I'd go and I'd work out and then I'd eat twice the amount of calories that I just burnt <laughs> because I enjoyed cooking. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, for me, that, I was always on the fucking road. So I was always buying fast food and I got to the point where I was buying it three times a day. And that was my, like, after like a few months, it was my go-to for food. Yeah. So like I automatically just did that. <laughs> as soon as I as soon as I got my driver's license, man, McDonald's became my daily stop. And especially when I was refing hockey, because when I graduated high school at oh, it was oh, did we lose him? Oh, I think I lost him for there we go. <clears throat> so while I was going through high school, I was working as a lifeguard at the pool and refing hockey. That was pretty well all I was doing. And I was making enough money doing that. Then right after I finished high school, I started just, I like, you know what? I'm going to take a winter and I'm going to do fucking nothing. I did three years of schooling in like 16 months. I'm taking a winter and I'm just being a lazy piece of shit. So all I did was ref hockey, play video games and just kind of relax because I knew that as soon as I turned 18, I was getting into EMS. I was going to be going full bore. Like I was just I'm like, I'm going to take this winter as my recuperation and get ready. I was still doing my firefighting. I was still refing hockey. I was still involved in stuff going on. But throughout that, I went and got a little bit heavier in there. But I was refing the hockey the Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. So I was doing like 10 to 12 hour days on the fucking ice. Friday through Sunday. Then I'd go after those games and every single day I'd hit McDonald's on the way home and it'd be two fucking two McDoubles, two junior chickens, a large fry and a red fruitopia, large red fruitopia, no ice. And if I was hungry, you throw a 20 pack of McNuggets on there. I'd come home and I would just smoke myself into an oblivion till about 3 a.m. Get up at nine o'clock, go back to the arena and do it all fucking over again for the next three days. Like it was, you got it muted, dude. You got yourself muted. I'm over here talking and shit like an idiot. I said, my <laughs> order, the double Big Mac, no pickles, no mustard. Same shit with two, I'd add two, uh, two McDoubles to that, a junior chicken and a large triple triple with milk. Oh, so bullshit, dude. Hey, I used to go there because I knew, I knew that after 1130, I could go and ask for special items because they weren't busy enough. I would go and ask for a Neapolitan milkshake. And they'd be like, we, we shouldn't really be doing this. I'm like, it's after 1130. Just fucking make it for me. Neapolitan milkshake, chocolate on the bottom, strawberry in the middle, and white up top. The best, the best McDonald's milkshake you can ask for. If they will do it. Get them to do it and layer it that way. Chocolate, strawberry, then vanilla. Because when they smash that down, 
You get the vanilla <laughs> mixing it in, and it gives you that good balance. If you go chocolate on top, it fucks it all up. <laughs> I'm going to take note of that. <laughs> There's some fat kid logic from a no longer fat kid. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm trying to eat better, I'm going to fucking go and dive into that. Yeah, now that you try to eat better, let's go get a milkshake and throw things off for a day. Well, I started doing uh, hit workouts last week. I started eating like a more well-balanced like meal, like a diet. And friggin' anyway, bro, my whole body felt like it was going to fall apart last week. Yeah, it's funny how shitty you feel that first week when you transition. I feel so good now, though, and it's only been like maybe like 10, 11 days. Oh. Well, I think I'm, what is it? 56 or 55 i think today so i've only got like 20 some days left of the committed 75 hard and then i can go on kind of my light module for a month and then go back into it for the month so i forgot you were still doing that it'll be good i'll be off of it come lift and my brother's wedding and all that i timed it perfectly i'm like by the time I've done this, I want the month of May to be off because the month of May is the month I typically like like drinking beer a lot. I don't know why. Start of summer, I usually get into going out to the golf course, having a couple of beer. The beginning of summer gets me more than anything else. Me too. That, the benefit is lift and all that's out there, and I want to try and hit. Because um, if I fly in on the 31st, I'll be flying in on the mon- the morning. So I'll be able to hit the Blue Jays game at seven o'clock that night. So I'm going to be able to go and enjoy a beer at the Blue Jays games. What makes me happy. So I haven't watched a game in at Rogers yet. So $30 beer. Hey, I will pay for one beer. And <laughs> a ball game. I like, I'm one of those people where it's like, if I go to a stadium and it's the first time watching a game there, hockey, I've got a little bit of a different ritual, but baseball, it's a beer and a hot dog, get the baseline, get an idea of what that stadium can offer. And it's literally what the stadium special is. Do you have a stadium special dog and do you have a stadium special beer? Okay, we'll we'll go and do that. Look how so, dirty this is. <laughs> just grungy dog. Good old farm dogs, right? Disgusting. <laughs> hey, that I thing's gonna come into the house. <laughs> I can't say much. I was out there, my brother's dog and my mom's dog were rolling around in the horse shit while we were playing while we were out in the horses. So disgusting (laughs) hey my brother's got a legitimate farm set up and running right now they've got oh i think they're almost at a dozen horses now holy crap yeah like he's got their five kind of main horses that they're running through and then they just picked up another five so yeah they got 10 in so they've got Four foals. Well, that's the thing is he's buying them when they're young and he's going to be doing a lot of work and training them and then actually reselling them later. So he's going to be able to make a profit off of them because a lot of the foals, a lot of the smaller and younger horses you can get for 1500 bucks, 2000 bucks for not. And that's not unreasonable. Dude, when I was with my ex out in, when I was living in Chauvin, Provost, Lethbridge area, or Lloyd Minister area, not Lethbridge, um, that chunk of the province, she worked directly with like the quarter horses and the stuff that are in the chuck wagons. So the guys that are running the wagons at the Calgary Stampede, she was working with those chuck wagon racers. So I was able to go out and help and be a part of that and their barns and whatnot. 
you're talking a couple of million dollars in horses that they transport around Alberta, Saskatchewan, and a little bit of BC all summer and race them with chuck wagons. And they're like, you're talking $10,000, $100,000 horses, thoroughbred horses. So 1500 bucks, two grand for my brother. That's, that's I, still that's, half the price of the pimple. That's pennies in the yeah. in horse trade, dude. That is pennies in horse trade. It's well, crazy. Dog going to 3500 Yep. Like it, it is, it is crazy listening to those cowboys when they were doing horse traded horse trades. Cause they weren't even talking cash. They're just like, I'll trade you those two horses for the one I got here. He's worth about a quarter million dollars. I think those two are worth about 110 each. You get a little bit of a benefit, but I'm getting two years off of them because those guys are young. And you're listening to this. You're like, you guys are doing a, a quarter million dollar deal on horses while you're drinking a beer and racking shit off your boots on the fucking fence post. Now she's okay. done. And I look at that, I'm like, and then you look at the cannabis industry, it's like the only difference is they're not raping shit off their boot, they're smoking a joint. It's the same group of people. That's why I liked it. Ranchers and cannabis people are very similar. <laughs> true. Let's talk business while we're doing the work. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you guys have this LPO where you are yet, but I had a chance to try out Sherman <laughs> from Lush. It was Lush's Sherb Mints. Dude, theirs was super minty. But like, not like, not like the freaking vape cart minty, but like how it would be for for flower. You know what I mean? Like super prominent. Like not the menthol, but more like the, almost like that herb kind of minty that you get in a greenhouse. Yes. <laughs> so like the Sherb Mints from Carmel, I would say. I haven't had a chance to try those yet. <laughs> First bong rip of the day hit hard. I could tell. It's it a dying. So I grabbed this windmill milled flower from Freedom. Come on, focus for me. Focus for me. So yeah, it's the strawberry banana cross with the lemon pie. Really good flavor on it. Smokes great through the joint. I just don't know why I think it's a good start of the day smoke. It's too heavy, too dense. <laughs> why well, is that like lung expansion? Like those cushy smokes? Yeah. That's exactly it. It's got that strawberry banana, but it's got that um like that resin heavy banana. That stick on the back of your tongue, starchy resin resin heavy banana. Really good cut. Like a really good cut, but fucking not a start of the day cut. Oh. There's so much new shit that I've got to try out, bro. I literally have a whole list tapped out. I've been buying so much legacy shit that I, I needed to smoke that, and I haven't really been going into stores as much. <laughs> well, we just need to get you to come out to Edmonton for grow up and then fly back with me for <laughs> lift, and then you get the West Coast, East Coast, dude. So I don't think I could do that. So I don't think I could do the Edmonton run for that one. Unfortunately. I probably could for next year, but it doesn't make sense for me to be there for uh, for that time this year. Like in in terms of like money and like scheduling aside the time right now, it's like I kind of like backed myself into a corner with that. Well, I need to be to go to the one in Niagara and uh, Vancouver, not Niagara, Victoria. You know, yeah. 
because that one's supposed to be, that one's supposed to be a little bit bigger. I'm fully planning on going to that one because the nice thing about it is I can even plan to just drop Jackie off at her parents because they live on the lower mainland. So then I could literally just walk onto the ferry <laughs> and have somebody come pick me up, or we could have a group of us that are all planning to go over, right? I've been dying to go over there, so I'm probably gonna think. Well, and honestly, if I'm planning on driving and I'm dropping uh, Jackie off to fly to her parents because I want to have a bunch of my stuff there and have a vehicle, I could always even pick you up in Calgary or wherever and we can kind of do a little bit of a tour. What's the, um, what's it called? What's your drive? Like, what's your fly over? So, for me, like, what am I, what am I driving? Well, yeah, don't you – are you talking about going from Calgary to BC? If for that um, conference, I would um, consider driving from Slave to BC because we'd be stopping and staying with Jackie's parents for a while. So then I could just have more of my shit. Um, then instead of bringing on. the vehicle across on the ferry, unless there's a group of us, because if there's a bunch of us p- piling in, then we could always just do that, um, pile in and go across the ferry ourselves. or we could always just walk onto the ferry, cross, and then get a cab and go to the hotel or whatever, right? All depends on where it is. And well, how how long is that trip for me to drive? Oh, you're coughing. My bad. I need... Oh, no worries. For me to drive from Slave Lake to get to the Lower Mainlands, about fifteen hours. Holy. That's not bad. Two days, dri- <laughs> two days driving separated. One day driving if I just binge it. I've done it before in a single day. I've done Seattle to Slave Lake in a single day. I could probably do it in a day too. It's just one. Well, and for me, I I enjoy the driving like I really do, and doing those long kind of marathons. I just like having the access to my vehicle is the biggest thing for me. Bro, that's where I'm kind of caught. Like, if I move to BC, I'm going to have to fucking drive. Yeah. Like, I need my car. That's going to be a mission for me. Especially with a dog, dude. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I might stick around here. <laughs> well, if you do shit going on. Oh, that's the thing is get it set up and running out there and then Go and transition out to BC afterwards with the expansion, right? Start where you're at. Well, like, if anything, I'm moving in two years. I don't know if I'm going to move in here, but the plan is to be there more often than le- like less. You know what I mean? Like I want to have maybe maybe I'll get a little space there as well. Something maybe some office space or something. Sleeping quarters. Well, that's exactly it. Even if it could be like a hub for a handful of us, like there's three or four of us that are going in on it. And then at least when we go to these events, like because Vancouver would be a hub space, Toronto is going to be a hub space. And realistically, if we could have like an area that we can utilize as carryover events and hosting after parties and stuff like that, if there's the interest or even just having 
the, okay, this is kind of our hub house for the Vancouver area. Then we could plan get-togethers and stuff a lot easier. I think that that might be the way that this industry would give us the ability to kind of collaborate and have those hot spots events, right? Well, that makes sense too for both of us. We could do like a Croptober Harvest right at a leaf spot in um, in Vancouver, or uh, yeah, somewhere in BC. We'll figure that out when the time comes because well, yeah, it would be beneficial for both of us, dude. Well, that's exactly it. And realistically, even if it's just somewhere that we have set up that's utilized, like you kind of following the lit research mentality where we have people there that are running the guidance that are doing the guidance the way we would do it. Then when we're there, there's the, okay, we're in house as well, right? If there's a way that you can make it to where it's covering its own costs and as a benefit to the industry, and then as a resource for us to utilize when we're in the area, that's, that's the ultimate goal, right? And there's a lot going on over there. Well, and, Vancouver seems to be a little bit more accepting for the consumption lounges and that type of approach right now than a lot of places. But Edmonton's supposed to be getting one in the next little bit, so we'll see. Toronto, Toronto. Oh, you guys need that stuff. Like, we are we have no shortage of that kind of shit. Everything's kind of been open here since pre-legalization. Yeah. It's now it's just like an extra arm has been extended, but you well, guys need need that. The biggest, I think, the biggest difference between Vancouver and Lower Mainland in Ontario is population density. You have the population to where the policing goes. There's bigger problems. Yeah, I try to host that here. My cop shop is going to fucking love it. Because they get a chance to like literally assert authority. Like, there's multiple. Wanted to host something like this, I would have to have all of my T's crossed and all of my fucking eyes dotted, and I would have to have like it would be you cannot drive yourself to this event because it will be an issue kind of fucking event in my in my town. And I I know Edmonton and Calgary is going to be a little bit different because of the population, but. Alberta's a lot stricter on those style of events just because of population density. Like Puff Puff Pass in Alberta is so low key. Like you have to know somebody who's going that has the approval to share the address with you before you can go kind of a thing. Where your events, they're almost posting. Bro, there's two Magic Mushroom um, storefronts in the city. There's just other fish to fry. (laughs) Well, that's exactly it. So much other fucking shit going on. There's people getting shot left, right, and center. Like that's not a priority. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly it. But around here, it because we have so much space per per person that it's a little bit easier for it to be a focus. And I'm not saying that's everywhere, and I'm not saying that's the only problem that's going on, but it is a factor. And that's why we don't see those illicit events popping up that then create room for the legal events to push the water. Because if we've got the the leg like the legacy market that's doing their own events, then the legal market's just kind of hopping into them and appearing and kind of just making a presence. It's, you guys it's just tough. opened up sampling, right? Yeah. So sampling's been allowed. So that's that's it's going to be beneficial. That'll be helpful, but I 
it'll be interesting to see how it gets approached with all of these events and what's going on. Well, so now I guess you guys couldn't do this before, but if that's a thing now, you guys are probably going to have what we have where you could have like um, events where there's different activations of different LPs where like the bud tenders go in and they'll basically just, they'll get samples and information from all the reps yeah. that are at these activations and they take them home to do the research. <laughs> and that's, that's what kind was. And it's, it's not a bad approach for getting customers to get experience for certain products and brands and see which brands are collaborative together. Those types of options are great. It's just when it's, a product knowledge session, hand, put their hand out, get the product and move on to the next stand. That's not really what we want the cannabis industry to become where the bud tender just show up. Okay. Give me the information. Give me the product and I'll move to the next booth. Yeah. It seems to work though. Cause everybody seems to take the stuff home and review it and put it up online. And now they have like a, and it, they don't have to spend their money on these products to know, what they are and like most of these bud tenders are making minimum wage so the fact that they're getting all these free products to try especially new SKUs, i think is super important i i agree with you that it's super important i'm just saying that they should be building upon that and doing more than just listen to the product knowledge here's your product fuck off because yeah. that's kind of what it was and it's not and, it, it, and, I'm, not, is, and yeah. I'm not trying to shit on it because i think i could do better it's i'm trying to make the point that needs to be adjusted in the next event. And that is bud tender engagement. In between those PR sessions, there should be someone there that just goes and engages them on how to talk to consumers, on how yeah, to approach not- questions, on how to, instead of, here's some product that you should know about. That is beneficial. That is needed. But you need to learn how to talk about the different products and not just, here's the sales sheet. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. And the way that they have them set up, you don't really get much of that. And for me, I don't understand why they aren't setting people up like myself, like you, trimmers, people who are more the accessory sides of the market in the smoking lounge and the smoke area and have them be kind of, oh, we'll come over here. We'll get you some papers. We'll get you rolled up. We'll get you do the excess and accessory side of things and then have those conversations started because I bet you there's a bud tender who doesn't have an idea that there's a trimmer's job for a contracting company that just goes to four different LPs and does their trimming for them. You get to see four different LPs worth of bud because they contract their trimming out to a service and that service just gets to hop and do that trimming for you. That's where what your interest lies in, but you have no understanding that that company exists. Are you ever going to be able to go out and find it and get the job that you potentially want? It's those type of opportunities and just exposure to industry potential to the bud tenders that would be key because they're the people we should be moving up in the industry take the bud tenders put them into either the grow techs the distillation techs the extraction techs all of those positions and then move them up into the higher positions grow our own breed of cannabis producers and consumers like it's that is the one biggest thing that kind is missing is that well, here, learn about this, that if you go to lift or grow up, you go there with some knowledge and understanding and you can benefit from it and not just be, holy fuck, there's all these companies here and I don't know who to talk to. Is that what I haven't been the kind in a bit. Is that what it is? It's just like a big, massive <laughs> thing like with giveaways? 
Kind was very much a like the kind gardens that I went to in Calgary, which it's supposed to be a pretty downgraded version of the one in Toronto because the one in Toronto is supposed to be just massive. So I'm I, I want to try and make it out to the one in Toronto, but I'm not 100% sure. Lyft is my priority. Um, but it's just product knowledge and exposure to brands, which is great. Okay. There just needs to be some unaffiliated bud tender engagement. Someone who just isn't directly affiliated with a brand that can go, well, what about this company? And then throw another company at them and just that bud tender engagement for generalized knowledge. That was kind of the biggest lack that I would say kind was missing. And I just, I don't know. I think we're missing something if we don't have that, that kind of engagement for the industry. Where did you do that panel? I watched last night. So the, that panel, I hosted it at a dispensary, so at Northern Light Supply. So the dispensary that Jordan manages, that was where I hosted it. I thought you were out of, like, Lyft or something. Not not for that one. That one was actually just in a dispensary, and I'm planning to keep that series rolling regularly to where it's just that dispensary podcast to be – Bud tender focus to where I have episodes where it's going to be just me and three other bud tenders. And we're just talking industry, consumer problems, solutions that they've found. And then there's going to be ones where I have more of the reps and potentially even like some of the higher ups in the industry as well there. Because if I can get like Ashley Newman from Queen of Bud or some of the other people in the industry that could come in and connect with these bud tenders and have that level of conversation, that kind of baseline entry level and see how she can make the connections throughout the entire chain because she's a CEO and kind of explain that connection. I think it'd be beneficial. Yeah. I really like that. And that whole style. It's like panel. I just find that you end up hitting points that you would have never found on a one-on-one conversation because someone makes a singular comment or just makes a note and then there's the point that we build off of for the next half hour that you would have never hit if you were talking to one of the other panelists one-on-one yeah like it is such a such a crazy um kind of benefit that you get with that group communication and it's honestly just what i ripped from what we were doing at grow up in the smoke pit we'd have three or four people sitting around us talking I'm like, fuck, this conversation is so needed for the industry. Why aren't we recording this? Let's just start recording them. Yep. Yeah, bro, isn't that what sparked off all the pods and everything? Pretty much. Because, bro, that's what we both, I know we both listen to that kind of stuff. I love listening to other people's conversations. Like, for, um, like, all this cannabis-based stuff, that's how I learn all the stuff that I learn. People just give up free game. Well, and the thing is, is that with with this industry, we're at the point where we just need to communicate and create these connections and have these alleyways for people to be able to find the solutions that they need because it's so new. It is so new and like, a, like Wild West still, even though with the regulation. open source compared to other industries. And like most, I feel like most people don't take advantage of that. Come on, Nugget. 
and the fact that two growers can be sitting down and competing against one another, but helping each other at the same time is very unique to this industry. Very unique to this industry. Because a lot of the, the top growers are usually in communication with one or two of the other top growers in this industry. They're buddies or they've been connected in some way, shape, or form. Can't, it's so interesting how interconnected this industry is. No fun. What's that? There's no fun doing this stuff by all. Like there's, there's no need to. There's room for everybody. Yeah. Everyone's different stuff. And even if they have the same thing, it's going to be a different version of it. Well, and that's exactly it. All of us that are coming up, we're all in the space of do what you can do the best you can because you will have a place. But cannabis is so unique that you won't be the only thing I consume. You'll be one of the things in my toolbox. And the fact that we could have a bunch of different people creating a bunch of different tools is hugely beneficial for all of us consumers because we need that variety. We need that variance in our uh, in our consumption for the medicated relief and that support that each of us are looking for on an individual level. Like it's the, the benefit we get. The benefits we get from varieties and overall just different grow styles and grow methods applied to the same plant is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Tap out this bowl and pack up another one. Nice full garden. Some of them are out and doing some defoliating today. Some are super bushed up. Some dead leaves in there I got to take off. Look at this, reaching like crazy. <laughs> I've got two that are reaching a- really well, and then the other one's taking its time. So we'll see. <laughs> Been a third of the fourth week of them revetching, so it's been a while. They got deep into flower before I flipped them back, and this is an auto. Surprisingly, it's half decent. I guess I talked shit for too long. Which auto is that one? Skywalker OG. Nice. Doesn't look really cushy. Look at how narrow these are. Yeah. This we'll see. Was that crossbone Skywalker? Um, honestly, I couldn't tell you who the breeder was. The, I went to a, one of the local grow shops in town, and he used to sell seeds. So he has like an abundance of seeds left, and he kind of just hooks me up with freebies. And he just puts he literally just puts his block back. Because I know Crossbone had that Skywalker auto that he was trying to move on the the CSTA, so I wasn't sure if you grabbed it from there or not. Oh, look, I got these two. <laughs> but none, he's no longer part of the CSTA, so you won't be able to get him from there anymore. But I had really good luck with that Skywalker ghost that I got from him. Did I, have I ever shown you these big fucking monsters that I got? Off that Skywalker ghost, dude. I think you sent me that. Yeah, that's the flower I sent you. That was the big one. That's one of the big nugs I got off of it. 
for the it's ones. Insane. The ones you sent, chunky dude. And then, come on. The other Fino, I got one that came out like this. What? For an auto Super power, Crazy, crazy return off it. Oh, that one's. When the nugs are sticking to it like that, you know she's fresh. <laughs> I can't remember which one I love more. I think of um, number two. The green the one? Purpler, purpley oh, one? the purple one? Yeah. It had a, it had, um, I like the flavor a little bit. And the meat favorite out of the whole bunch, my least favorite, how hazy it was, was the triple scoop. Yeah. It was good, but it was like a certain time. That, that, I, that was the, I went through the slowest. Uh, meat breath, I went through the fastest. Yeah. And I, I killed all my seats. Just didn't get them to go? No, I did. And then I got busy and they dried out. Oh, shit. I got a bunch more, dude, so I can hook you up with more of those meat breath seeds. No worries. I'll just bring that vial. Like five. I'll just bring that vial out, and you guys can split them amongst yourselves. Because I honestly, I probably with all of the genetics I've been running, I probably won't go back to running that meat breath again. It was good, but it wasn't good enough to have me like, oh, I need to run it again. It's like I'll find another another seed of it, and we'll see what we can do. Right. I have your other ones growing that I'm hyped about. All the other OGs, the OG. Um, well, I can't remember what else you gave me. Give me two or three OGs. Yeah, so all of all of those um, ones I gave you, those are all autos too. So those ones, yeah, I'll throw them all outside. So I'm actually planning to take uh, the couple that I have because I've got four of those seeds left from those autos, and I'm going to do five gallon runs outside. I think this summer I'll probably start them when I I'll start them. Probably when I come back from lift and then I'll get them out mid of June so that they can be out for July and August for the hottest point for my autos. Cause I can start them inside and then transition them outside onto the porch under the sh cover and just kind of slowly build them out because I don't have enough 12 and 12 out here to run, run photos. I just not, not enough time. And I don't want to build out a garden or anything right now for them. Yeah. <laughs> No, the autos make sense. Harvest. What's that? I said the autos make sense anyway. Where you are, you'll still get a nice harvest. Oh, that's exactly it. And for me, I can run four or five gallon plants, get massive yields off of it, turn it around, have that plant available, right? And both of those are really heavy, heavy resin re yielding. So I expect them to wash decent too. And if they wash into a good fresh outdoor live well that's killer that's even better dude i i get some really good profiles out of the outdoor well and it's that that argument of a bigger trichome head a more well-rounded profile for the cannabinoids the terpenes everything because it's sun-grown outside exposure like it's just everything that the plant desires it makes sense right like you get yeah. pink in plants that you don't see indoor grown Pinks on an outdoor grow that you'll never see on an indoor. Like it's crazy. You're gonna get that full expression. 
but you also have to deal with the elements. So depending on your what mother nature decides to give you there, you can break your crop. But at the same time, like, all right, they're not going to look as pretty because the get blasted with UV. But I don't know. They, I get a way fuller profile out of my outdoor. I feel I get a longer lasting high. Um, the buds definitely aren't going to be as pretty as your indoor because it's not as controlled. But like, I don't know. I've got really terpy outdoor, oh. so I don't think. I think that I think it depends on where you're growing the outdoor, how your season turns out, what genetics you decide to put outside, the care that you take after harvest. I feel like a lot of people don't even treat their outdoor crop the same they would with their indoor so they like fuck up the whole dry and and cure process that's why everybody's outdoor smells like hay tastes like hay and everyone thinks it's shitty but if you actually treat it the same you're gonna have pretty similar results if the conditions are right so i don't know i guess in ultimately in you're gonna have the like ultimate control and like every time you can have consistency the actual terpene profile, I think you go a lot fuller outside, in my Lots. opinion. Yeah, indoor is repeatable. Outdoor is the ex- ex- absolute exemplary example of the plant, right? Like, that's that's the way I look at it. Outdoor is going to give you the best possible expression of that plant for color, for overall trichome development, as well as the actual expression of the cannabinoids and the uh the terpenes and all the other volatile elements that are in there because you get the full range of light that the sun has to offer as well as because i really didn't think about this but the reflective minor uv light of the moon throughout the night as well in its cycles which there's people who are like and this is just more discussions no real research but there's people who are starting to have that discussion of maybe micro levels of white light exposure might be beneficial for cannabis in a lunar cycle to where you slowly ramp it up and you slowly ramp it down like the moon does. I'm kind of interested to see if the research comes out on that and showcases that it's true. I would be leaning more towards that it is than it isn't just because of exactly what we've been talking about. The fuller profile, the fuller experience from an outdoor grow. I've got, my those auto flowers that I'm running, I accidentally had them running for ten of their last twelve weeks on twenty four hour light. I didn't realize that I didn't have my timer off. That it was just straight up on. I was just giving them straight gas light. I was like, that makes sense. So why they're so much bigger than they usually are doing the twenty and four? Interesting that I'm getting this much of a better return with no lights off. Now that they're in bud, I've switched. In my veggie. What's that? I said in the bedroom, I just showed you how to keep the lights on all day, 20 hours. Yeah, and I found 20 and 4 to be kind of my optimal rotation for veg. And then when I go to flower, I go from 20 and 4 to 18 and 6, 16, <clears throat> six or 18 and 4, 16 and 6, 14. And I just slowly wrap it down. Every two days I go and I take two hours off, two hours off, two hours off. And that's when I, I've got a planned grow that I don't want to risk herming or anything. I'll do that. But with your plants or any of the ones that I want to test, I just do a hard switch. Because I want to try and if there's something that's going to herm, herm on me early so I can get you the fuck out of there. 
I do this to everything. I light leak all my shit. I torture all my plants to make sure that, like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Get rid of it. Like, I put it through the ringer. I'll re-veg the I'll flip, 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 re-veg the fuck out of my plants. Like, anything I could possibly do to encourage them to herm, I try to do. And then if it if they don't, I'm happy, you know? And I don't torture my plants. But for the first run, I, I fuck with them hard. Yeah. Well, that's... That's the one thing is there's even that discussion of just doing a 24 hour period of dark before you go into your flower to kind of early sex and early stress. I'm like, mm, with the bunch of rags I'm running, that might not be a bad idea to do, especially with the amount of rags that I've bought. I've got like 150 some regular seeds coming in in the next week. So I, I, it got bad. I put things through like even humidity, humidity swings, like, um, what's it called? I'll make it super dry in the room, see if the plants can handle it for a bit, make it super fucking humid, super hot. Or like, um, say I have an aphid infestation on a plant or something before I get rid of it, I'll stick all my new, um, like phenos in with it and put them basically in a torture chamber and see if the aphids like the other plants and if they have any resistance and like all that shit's super important. Well, so if you had like, if you have those pressures to deal with, fucking use them if you don't have them i wouldn't go out looking for like aphids to throw in your garden but like all those things are definitely worth noting well and with you on the breeding side of things you're looking to find that base mother to run with so you want to put it through the stresses you want to find that kind of that golden goose of the run so that you're starting with that golden goose you're not starting with shit (laughs) yeah Right. Where for me right now, I'm just doing my my breeding for my own finding that flower producer, that queen. So I don't need as much stress on it. No. About their life cycle. And it's just different purposes for different growing. I have all the intention to get into breeding and start doing my own crosses. And I do intend on getting stressors, but I need separate tents. I need kind of a little bit bigger setup than I have for what I want to do at at what I plan for. (laughs) Like if you're just cultivating, like what you're like right now, what you're doing, I, it's, it would be irresponsible to torture your plants. For me, it's like it's super important to torture my plants. You know what I mean? Like I, I definitely wouldn't have done that a year or two ago, ever. Like all the shit that I'm, I'm suggesting, it would not even be on the table. Well, and that's the thing is, if I go and I find a plant that I think is a fucking ultimate mother, I'll take clones of that and I'll put those through the stress. I'll put that through hell. Why? Because I've already got a plant that I know that I'm kind of confident in keeping. Worst case scenario, I take that mother and I run through flower because it didn't quite hold up the resilience that I was looking for. But if I can find something that's ultra resilient, really good, he's getting hooked up with a bunch of cuts. And then he can run with those cuts and do a bunch of breeding and whatnot with it, right? Like that would be the benefit of me doing the stress test is saving him some work when it comes in going, yeah, no, this is a pretty resilient plant. You can not worry about this, not worry about this, not worry about this, because I've done that. Now, take the clones, stress it out if you want to, to see if they'll run in your environment, but you know they're going to be a little more resilient towards the, the lighting and aphids and the exposure to just colder environments, because that's my tents and that's my environment. Bro, a little off topic, but since we were talking about like 
breeding and shit. I have a Malawi that I just started flowering like a month ago, and I'm really considering just taking a branch and hitting it with the garlic margie pollen and seeing what the fuck random shit might come out of that. But like, why not? It's it just it, every bro, every time I water that plant and I see the pistols forming on it, it's yelling at me to dust it. So I think I should just dust it. Hey, I I literally got within that bundle of seeds that I've got, I've got he said it's between a 25 and a 30 plus pack of shiatsu kush seeds. I am going to start hunting that genetic. Like you're like, I'm going to be dropping every time I drop seeds, five of that shiatsu is going in the ground. To, what's that? That's what you won. I, that I bought those. I bought those shiatsu kush. Cause he threw them up and he's like, there's two vials in here. There's about 12 to 15 seeds in each vial. So I'd say 25 to 30 seeds. I'm like, I'm buying that Shiatsu Kush just because I heard him talking about it with that pink parm he had and some of the other genetics that he crossed with it. I'm like, oh, this sounds so good. Because I think the Shiatsu Kush crossed with pine tar, I think was his pink parm. Like, fuck yeah. That, that's a that new jokes. That's the next line. The next line is the pine tar crosses, dude. So, shout out Mr. Green Thumb. Yeah, that shout out and I've got I bought since I grabbed that whole fluffy lineup. I find anything good in there, you're getting hooked up with it, dude. No questions. Any hey. anything good, you're getting cuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, the, I just think of like the amount of genetics I got from him is insane. Give me a minute. I gotta I gotta check something. I think I'm supposed to be going somewhere soon, so I just want to make sure. <laughs> Make sure everything's lined up the right way. Yeah. While you do that, I will go and read off all of those crosses that I got from uh, Mr. Green Thumb for that uh, fluffy run that he did, because those are killer. Those fluffy crosses that he has. The only thing I mi- I wish I would have gotten was the Mochi waffles, but that was a pre-order only. So the fluffy waffle so the fluffy waffle base that he used to cross all these into was a fluffy crossed with funnel cake so that's the base of it got a i'm going to end up getting a fluffy f2 which is just those fluffy waffles crossed crossed into themselves the mango waffles the bc mango crossed with fluffy waffles mom's waffles dairy milk crossed with fluffy waffles <laughs> ah, someone crossed it into blueberries Roll-ups crossed with fluffy waffles. Charred waffles. A fire OG that's been back-crossed three times crossed with the fluffy waffles. Not that He said anything with that fire OG back-cross is like the creme de la mint that he releases. Those crosses, there is no question about them. They are some of the best ones for smoke and overall crystal formation on the, on the grow. So I'm excited to see what those charred waffles are going to turn out like. Then the ones that hey, I'm personally most excited. What? What is fluffy waffles? Funnel, uh, fluffy crossed with funnel cake. Okay, I'm gonna have to pull up seed finder. Let me put down the rabbit hole. So, and then there's wet work waffles. This is the one I'm most excited to drop. Murder milf crossed with fluffy waffles. <laughs> Who names these? A lot of these, like the dairy milk, the dairy milf. Is supposed to be a lot of like that cereal milk kind of a kind of a cross on it, dude. Oh, what what was it? I can't remember what the hell he had. Um, 
up last night on sale. And I was like, I threw $100 at this pack of seeds because I fucking wanted it that bad. Oh, what was it? Oh, you could do it? Yeah, he throw, he has auctions on after the giveaways. So that's where I was able to get, like, the black and berries. So that's the black crossed with the strawberry mousse. I got that pack from him. I got um, the Chiatsu Kush. I got those. And it was, I think I paid 45 bucks for the 30 pack of seeds. Like, not. Bro, you lucked out. I hope they're regs. They're, they are regs. It's like the Masonic seeds that I've got right now that I dropped five of. Those uh, GMO Sour Dub crossed with the Wilson. 35 bucks. 14 pack of seeds. Regs. Like the the only other thing start is shipping. The only other thing is the shipping, and that is minute for me, because I'll go. Well, just hang on to it for the month, and at the end of the month, whatever else I buy, send it all in one shipping package and send it out. I don't have an issue paying for shipping because if you're willing to hang on, I have a, I have a month. pack from. Um, What's that? I had a bunch of packs from OG Surefire. I think you'd like. Oh. <laughs> I need more grow space. <laughs> I'm helping them. Dish. Bro, there's like, there's runs and Mac one crosses and stuff. I don't have the, I don't have the bin beside me right now, but he's got a bunch of fire shit in there. I would be all over that. Like Mac one crosses. I want to get into. Oh, that sounds, that actually sounds really good. And with this winter, like literally what I'm doing right now is a pheno hunt for the winter grow competition, because I think we're going to do a cuts only version. I legitimately think we should do a cuts only. And that's the thing. I already know what I'm doing. Well, and and, that, and honestly, what I think is what we're going to do is we're going to do, um, you're going to have a cut and I'm going to have a cut and we're going to send two cuts out. And those are going to be your two gross. I'm for, I for sure want to use uh, peanut butter breath F, uh, F2. Fuck yeah. I And I'm looking at either the banjo crossed with the cotton candy because I've got one of those that is just stellar. It is looking phenomenal. And then I've also got that uh, lemon beach fan that's growing really, really well as well. But if this GMO sour dub crossed with, with the Wilson blows up, that'll probably be what I go with. Because it's that banana OG crossed with papaya that is then crossed into the Tropican cookies. That's Wilson. I just got a Han Solo burger yesterday. Apple fritter. Um, fuck. There's a Oreos. Apple fritter. Oreos. Cherry Garcia. Uh, fuck. Knockout runs. Uh, Long Island pink. And I think that was it for yesterday. And then before that, I got London pound cake. Gary Payton, and I killed them. Um. Yeah, I, I need that's to, it. I need to get some of that when I come out for lift. I'll need to try and get my hands on some of that orange squeeze from Partake. Are you guys? Well, I'll have to just try and get all the new genetics that Partake has because honestly, dude, you are gonna be blown away. That punchments was good, but this apricot frost is next fucking level. And that orange <laughs> squeeze, it smells like orange juice on the smoke. Like the smoke that's coming off the front of the joint. You can smell orange juice. And what, are the, using what the hell is the crosses on those? Let's let's pull that up. So the apricot frost is Gary P crossed with snowman. 
That, that apricot frost, dude, is killer. And the fact that it's a snowman cross, that makes me want to go and buy those snowman genetics from Canarado. Isn't that what's in Gary Payton? Uh, Gary Payton cross with snowman is what gives you the apricot frost. But isn't isn't snowman in Gary Payton as well? Or was that why, the Y or whatever they called it? I cannot remember. I don't know if snowman's in Gary P by itself. But the uh, the orange strain, that orange squeeze, orange tree crossed with mimosa. That one. I, don't, I don't really care for the mimosa. Dude, do you, what what about it in, in the mimosa? Is it the effects or the flavor that you don't like? It's just, that flavor is boring. Okay. Then this one, it's it's not your traditional mimosa. It's not like you know that cerebral effect that you get from that mimosa, that racy kind of lift. It's got that style of effect from the mimosa, but it's got a pure orange flavor from it, like almost, almost like taking an orange and biting the whole thing, rind and juice. So you get that. I love orange orange flavors for weed. Yeah, so you get that kind of um, orange peel, orange marmalade um, taste, but then you get that juice wash over at the end. Oh, here, where is that? So, but this, this is the apricot frost from Partake. Yo, how the fuck do you get it to focus? I'm running it through my DSLR camera, dude. I'm running oh, okay. it through the camera I do my reviews on. Yeah, that looks good. Like crazy, like, and you can see... Full Gary Payton bud structure on it. Full Gary Payton bud structure on it. And it just fucking reeks. Like my whole room just smells like like orange. No, not at all. It smells almost. What's funny is as soon I read this about two weeks before I tried this apricot frost, that the McDonald's sweet and sour sauce is primarily made from apricots. So you know, oh, yeah, yeah. I actually just read that recently too. That's fucking joke. So you know that kind of barbecue sauce tang and sweet that you get off of that sauce, that kind of fruity barbecue sauce tang. You get that instead of the orange, and then you get a lot of that kind of Gary Payton battery sweet vanilla kind of oomph, and then there's a little bit of like a rotten sock at the end. So instead of that sour. You get more of a rotten sock funk. It is so interesting, and it is a great, and it is like stinky on your fingers. I've noticed the Gary Payton for for the ones that I've had have two. There's two profiles that I've had. It's either a lime, like a limey, a sweet limey gas, or uh, burnt rubber. Yeah, well, I love the burnt rubber one. This is the newest run of punchments. You can smell it through the camera, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, they're good, bro. They're I like Partake. I'm down to try anything from them. And they dude, they've got some stuff in the grow right now that like he I went and visited them for just a quick little swing by and he showed me some of the genetics they've got going. 
they drop some seeds, they grab some new stuff. It's it'll be fun. Are you allowed to talk about some of them? Or are they like uh, not not the new drops? He doesn't want me saying anything because they're hunting them right now and whatnot. But it's like yeah. I I've been the podcast that'll actually go live right before this one was the one I did with uh, Wallace from Primo Cannabis, and we just went into a. I'm so glad you I'm so glad you interviewed them. I really like their work. We went into like super genetic heavy conversation. Like we I just started talking about the pheno hunts I'm doing and then he started talking about his pheno hunt. So it's a it's a growers much like this one. It's a growers podcast <laughs> where we focus more on the plant. At, um, at Can Expo and try out some of their flower. They have really good stuff. They're hitting the market here in June, I believe. Yep. Right away he's supposed to be be getting onto the market he's gonna be uh sending he's hooking me up with some of their um lava cake and the dough the two that are coming to the ocs i'm really excited to try out the dough because it's got that cookies crossed into it again i prefer the lava cake you a little bit lighter i honestly bro i i can't remember and i'm not gonna fuck it up so i'm not gonna even try to tell you what flavors i got off those it's been a bit but um i just know that the that that one stood out to me. Over, the lava cake stood out to me over the dough. It, and the only the only reason why I would think, like for me, why that would happen is the dough's got too many different flavors, like too many of the cookie-style flavors in it for it to really be a standalone experience where the lava cake would have that option because it's just the lava cake. So that was my only kind of, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to get overwhelmed with all the cookies trying to hit and like the lava cake more, or if it's going to be the other way. So it, it'll be interesting. And the fact that you say that has me thinking more along that way and not that it's going to be bad, just that it might be overwhelming with the amount of kind of batter flavors you get hit with. Yeah. If, if I'm not mistaken, I think that one is a lot more cream forward and like, um, like pastry, I can't remember, bro. I'm definitely going to fuck this up. Yeah, I'm not going to even keep going. Well, I just know that the lava cake I preferred, and I think it had more of an intense flavor profile. Yeah, and that makes that that makes sense just because it could be a little bit more of a unique flavor profile, which with the fact of the amount of cookies being crossed into one another, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Definitely going to kill it, though. Oh yeah, I'm really, really excited to try it. And it's funny after that podcast, he sent me a picture. He's like, "So you inspired me." And he's, it's this list of all the genetics he just dropped because they started doing. What? <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm a bad influence on the best method. <laughs> Let's go find some new killers. Oh, okay. So here, I'm a, I'm a slightly confused. So are, are they? I heard they're a Guelph-based LP, but then I also heard they're a Quebec-based LP. So I don't know which is. I I I didn't get the location of where they're based because we ended up going just so genetic heavy on it and talking about like the dough and the lava cake and the stuff that's coming to market. Um, but just based off the way their name is set up, I would lean more towards Quebec. <laughs> Just because it seems like Primo, it seems a little bit more of a French dominant name, but Ontario is right beside Quebec. So that carryover is so close. And I can't say much because Alberta, I'm two hours away from our French hub in Alberta, which is Flair. And Alberta French is different than Quebec French. 
And it's surprising because you like the amount I've got some friends who are from the French community and they're like, you go to Quebec. It's very interesting because they know you speak Albertan French, but you go different to dialect. like a totally different dialect, but Albertans go to France and the French are more acceptable of Albertan French than Quebec and French. And I, it is so hilarious that, Oh, the Hicks from the West coast that speak French and farm are better than the people on the east side that speak purely French. So the Franglish of the Albertans are better than the French of the Quebec in France. And I'm like, totally different. It's totally different. uh, French. Well, exactly. It is like I having grown up and went through French immersion. I learned Albertan French, very like Franglish is what we call it. It's French and English. It's a, it is a conglomeration of the two, but we know what we're trying to say and we're just trying to pass on the information. There's no real kind of our nose and we're better than you kind of experience where I've talked to some people who've come from Quebec to do training. And that is very much how it feels like I know better. I speak better. And it just, it didn't feel very nice. (laughs) It didn't feel very good to me. It's like we're speaking French and we're both from Canada. So it's bastardized French. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's yeah, I don't, bro. I don't know. I don't know very much French at all. So, like, to me, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even be able to make the comparisons. I've just heard from a lot of other French speakers how different they are. But like, I, I was so confused learning French as a kid that I kind of tapped myself out. And then by the time I ended up like wanting to know, I was already so far into the curriculum that it was there was no catching up. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. And that's it's funny because here. I can listen to people speak in French and I'll catch every three or fourth word. Like you typically can't pull the wool over my eyes if you're speaking French from Alberta or a slower, more northern France dialect. Now, if you're from Quebec or Paris, you'll pull the wool over my fucking eyes because I can only hear every seventh word, let alone understand. And it's just the speed of the language being delivered they just spot it's like us speaking English. It's just so rapid in the ability because we're able to process our thoughts and pass it out so much faster. That's where I have my issue processing is I just can't keep up and actually hear the differentiation of the syllables and the language. So I can go, Oh, that was an R there instead of a kind of a ER conglomerate. So they were meaning this, right? Because the French and the Spanish language is so sexualized with everything like chairs are female right like any any object typically is female in the french language now there are exceptions to that but stuff like that like tiny nuances and like little sayings that's the type of shit that throws me off because i'm learning i'm learning italian right now and that that's where um that's what i'm at right now is learning plurals and like the fe- the feminine and masculine stuff and it's it's confusing to remember and like they'll have like five six words for the exact same word and it depends on where in the sentence it's going uh what context you're using whether it's feminine or masculine and like an object could be feminine like a fork is a feminine object like it'd be forketta mm-hmm. so like anything with that a at the end you've got to like put um like it'd be la instead of eel the the beginning you know what i mean 
and it's la or le for French. So LA or LE It's very like, it's a lot of these European languages are very similar with how, and it, and it's just the, the sexualization of everything. Everything's either feminine or masculine within the language. And it's really interesting where you go to English, where it's just, this is this. <laughs> and that is that isn't always that because the English language is so vast too. Like it, ours is just a bastardized version of every other language. Honestly, glass tips, man, can't go wrong. I got a literal metal container that contain all of my glass tips somewhere. I bought a whole box from Squad of Fume last time. I seen them. I'm just cleaning them right now. Yeah, it's best way. I've got mine put somewhere. I probably packed them up with my stuff to go to uh, Edmonton. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I had them packed up to go to, with me to Edmonton. Looks like I'm missing like 20 of them, though. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Sounds about right. You go and you clean stuff, and then you find the, the rest of it that you had stored somewhere else to clean at a later date. It's like my trimming shears. I always seem to find <laughs> one pair that I never got to clean. Then I clean that one. I find the next pair that I haven't got to clean. I swear I put them all in this cup, though, with my ISO. <laughs> I'm going to have to do a search. The hunt. It's like your, my 510 vape batteries and my watch. I've been missing that since I've come back from the city. I know I had it with me on the way back. Somewhere in the house. <laughs> it's in the last place that you'd ever put it. Oh, it's in the last place you look, surprisingly, for some yeah. odd reason. <laughs> It's not like once you find it, you stop looking. Although there has been times where I've been looking for my phone while I've been talking on it. So I can't say that much. Hey, do you know where my fucking phone is? <laughs> <laughs> I've done that more than once. Dude, the other day we were changing at work and one of the other, one of my coworkers, he freaking, he grabs the pants that I picked up thinking they were his and he's like, hey man, and I'm like, bro, yours are already on. This guy literally already had a fucking uniform on. He thought I was taking his pants. Oh, I did. what's funny is I had the reverse of that in school. And a kid dropped his snow pants and forget that he dropped them and dropped his actual pants right in the freaking hallway. <laughs> like, we were maybe 12 at the time, but still fucking hilarious watching that happen. And him just standing there going through his locker thinking that is normal. Dude, somebody pantsed me once when I was in grade seven and they got my boxers too. My whole fucking shaft came out. It was fucked. This happened to me in front of everything. Hiding. <laughs> oh, fucks. And they got a show. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that's always a good one. <laughs> or the ones where you pants people and you, like they're not wearing underwear. There's a couple times people got hit with that at school. Why are you wearing just sweatpants? What are the fucking tearaway pants with nothing yep. under? You remember those? The fucking oh. Ricky, Ricky hey. the Flair? Hey. Fucking... I had tear. I had two pairs of those tearaway pants, and they were perfect for when I was going. I literally had them, and then I go started playing basketball. I'm like, oh shit, perfect for basketball. There you go. You That's all I wore them for. Only guy on the team with tearaway pants. And I was the fucking bench warmer, so they didn't get tore away that often. Oh, shit. That was me, bro. I was a bench warmer because I didn't oh. run him not a sports dude. Oh, and it, and it's 
and I got punished because it was the basketball or hockey. And it was, well, I paid for hockey and basketball is a school sport. So I'm going to go to my, my hockey games first. If basketball can correlate, I'll go to basketball. But the practices were on opposite days. So I went and practiced every single day. But then when the games would come, I'd get fucking sat because, well, you weren't going to the away games. But I let everyone else play in the away games. So I can be at this tournament and I'm just as good as the other two power fours we have. But I get two minutes because I'm not (laughs) to this team. Well, I'm playing another sport and I'm not asking to be the starter. I'm asking you to have. (laughs) You got shafted, dude. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, "Mm." and I just, I lost some of the interest and, and we were not a, we were not even competing for fucking to make division, to go to the next step for zones, to try and go to provincials. Like we were losing out in the fucking rounds. So at that point, just at what, at at a certain point, you just let the fucking team play. In my opinion. Once, once you're 20 points down and your star (laughs) players got a broken ankle. Yeah, it's time to let the kids play. <laughs> oh, the sorcery. I swear this is like a tube that you could like stick the whole fucking pipe cleaner through, but there's like this thing at the end here, I guess, so the weed doesn't end up in your mouth. So I can't really stick this. Good old pinch points. Yep. Fuck. Here, I'll, got, I'll show you what I use for like my cleaning for my bowls and whatnot. <laughs> So on Amazon, I went and I got these <coughs> pack of brushes. Oh, come on. Come on. So I'll use these small ones right here. And that's what I'll push through because it's got that hard wire on it. But you can get the, these packs of just brushes. And that's what I use for down stem and all that. And these I've been using for about six months. And that's how clean the white ones are. I had black ones that I used for almost four years. And then I was like, <laughs> Maybe I should throw these out. <laughs> They're so yeah, full of resin. That'll come in handy, though. Oh, absolutely. These were these I thought were not really ideal. Well, and for the down stems and everything, it's just so easy to just go take it, pass it through, and then like this rig looks like it's never been smoked out of. Yeah, this shit is spotless. And this was my daily smoker for almost a year. Teach me your ways, buddy. Right? Like, like I've got how I do this shit around here. Look at this fucking shit. Like that's today. That's just from smoking last night and this morning. The full cup of espresso. (laughs) Hey. I can't say much. I got an espresso machine back there that gets used for continuously ran espresso. You gotta you gotta balance off the pink kush. I gotta be I have to be careful with coffee. It's like just because I was so energy drink driven when I was working EMS, like I would drink a case, a four pack case in a twelve hour shift. Like it and not smoke weed and still be able to go back home and sleep at night. Right. So I was drinking regularly. And then after my accident, I was at almost six cans a day at one point. 
It was fucking horrible. So then I went and I had a conversation. The I don't know why, but one of the one of my mental health checks, somebody's just like, Well, how much caffeine do you drink? I go and I put it like here. Give it a week and just don't have any for 12 hours before bed. Just if you're gonna consume, do your everything, but stop drinking caffeine 12 hours before bed and see how that helps. And I started doing that and I started finding some relief. But then I'm one of those people where it's like, if I'm going to stop something, I can't taper off of it. It's cold fucking turkey. I'm either doing it or I'm not doing it. And that's, it's just the way my personality is. And I stopped hard for energy drinks. Didn't have coffee, didn't have anything for like six and a half, seven months. And then I went, I'm like, oh, I could kind of, I'm kind of craving a Starbucks coffee, a nice coffee. So I go and I get a, my triple, my typical Trenta iced coffee black. I got about three sips into it and I was literally just fucking shaking, just vibrating. I'm like, holy shit. This is what caffeine does to me. If I, I don't drink- have a tolerance for it. Okay. I'm never building a tolerance for this, like a high tolerance for this again. Energy drinks make me feel like I'm dosed up on something. That And that's what they do to me too. So I'm very, very picky with my energy drinks. And I use them, like, if I'm going to a golf tournament and I know I'm going to be smoking heavy, I'll bring an energy drink. But I'm drinking that energy drink over the 18 holes. Maybe the first nine, and then I'm having, like, a coffee over the second nine if it's cool. Something along those lines if I'm really, really smoking. But that's over, like, a three- to four-hour period I'm drinking that can. So I don't get that wash-over rush. It's just that steady kind of buzz, right? Where, like a coffee or something, it it's a little more controlled, a little more tapered for me. Not much, but a little bit more. Oh, did we lose them? Oh, there you are. <coughs> but yeah. So, I was gonna suggest trying G Fuel if you need it. I've I've had G Fuel. I've got um, a company who actually reached out to me to do sampling and possibly promote them. Here, I'll grab the containers. They're not bad, um, but it's very similar. Kraken, that's the company. So these guys do very similar. Come on, focus for me. Focus for me. Kraken? Kraken, yeah. Not going to showcase. Yeah, they. I got set up with the four flavors, and I... Like, I don't mind them. It's just they give me that really similar experience as energy drinks, right? It's that real rush yeah. because it has all the same taurine. Like, for me, it's the taurine that fucks me up. If I can just have straight caffeine-based energy drinks like Rain, when Rain had the no taurine ones, stuff along those lines, I'm okay. But if it has the taurine and stuff, it's too much. Too much. Isn't that made from bull, bull semen? It's 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 derived from like the testosterone and something in there, yeah. But I can't say much because I've eaten prairie oysters, which is essentially bull nuts. So, <laughs> hey, whatever, bro. It does the trick. Hey, they're, when they're cooked right, they're tasty. Uh, I, I can say that. I'm I'm a I'm hunting, fishing, self self sufficing human being for the way that I uh, I like to live my life so I I would rather if you're going to harvest an animal harvest it and utilize the entirety of it 
so that there is no waste just because it's the best way to be able to, uh, to consume. And that's with everything. Cause I do the same thing with my cannabis as well. I literally have some RSO sitting there and finishing up right now. I should be able to do the last little boil off for it. Cause it's oh, almost two months. Got some right here. She's just about ready to be boiled down. That thing was full right up to here with Everclear, and that has been what it's rendered itself down to. Just passive. What's that? Well, it just sits with the cheesecloth in the open, so you can, like, if it sits here, I can smell the alcohol a little bit. But, yeah, you can just see. This is going to be my RSO-making jar. You can just see everything sitting there. I've got a bunch. I had that shit evaporating. I had no airflow. And my dumbass was living in it. I was just sick for weeks. I was wondering what the fuck was going on. Yep. Felt I like have, alcohol poisoning. I have mine sitting right there. And I've got open windows all the time in here so that I don't get. But I've got a bunch of rosin pucks. Like a bunch of deep rosin pucks here. That I'm going to go and do my next batch. It reminds me, I got to get oil today and infuse some oil. I have coconut oil, but people like the grapeseed oil better. Yeah, may as well. Because the oil tastes like shit. Yeah, coconut oil definitely can have that wonky taste, and it picks up whatever you put into it, too. Bro, it tastes like can of butter. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, this will be good. Go and do a little bit of a passive boil for this. Get it rendered right down to that thick, thick sauce. And I'll have some homemade RSO. And the question is, do I render that shit down or do I just have it as Phoenix Tears? What do you mean? You're going to like, what do you mean by render it down? Are you going to like winterize it? Like create potentially just um, disperse it into like an oil or a butter or something along those lines. No, keep it, dude. Keep it as is. Decarb that shit if you haven't already, and then friggin' eat it as needed. Yeah. Well, that's the plan. Is I'll I'll decarb it when I do the passive uh, the passive boil off because with this much left, I can put it on a burner outside on low heat and just allow that alcohol to bu- bubble off. Bro, I'm really confused. I'm trying to find these glass tips. Where the fuck I put my container? Oh, I've done that so many fucking times, dude. So many times. It's literally what I'm doing right now with my watch and my 510 vape cartridges. And the thing is, is that my watch is dead, so I can't even ding it with my phone to try and find it. I I know I've got this big, big joint container that I put my stuff in. I don't even know where the fuck that is. Well, one thing you do know is you're traveling dab picks with me here, and it'll come back to Toronto with me. For oh, I forgot about that. That exists? Dude, you left this pick at the hotel. I brought this with me to Vancouver and back for that event because I'm like, you know what? This is becoming my fucking traveling dab pick. Wherever I go, I'm just bringing this with me because Mike left it at the hotel. That is fucking jokes. I forgot you even had that. So when I went to Calgary, guess what I was using to dab with in Calgary? That? 
Every event I'm going to, I'm bringing this fucking thing with me. I've adopted it as my own traveling dab thing. <laughs> These fucking jokes. I just, I saw in the hotel room, I'm like, and literally as I was walking out to go to the airport, I'm like, huh. Fuck. I'll just stick it in my Speaking pocket. I'm which, like, I'll mail it to Mike at some point, and I, I keep forgetting to, and I've just started using it. I almost left 14 grams of live resin in the last hotel I stayed. Oh. So close. <laughs> Fuck. It, the amount of weed that's going to be at the place and lift that we stay. <laughs> it's going to be fucking bad. Because I think because it's me, you, Dave, and I think Papa Hefe, I think, are the four of us that are planning. What's that? It's gonna be a good time. Oh yeah. What the fuck? And what and I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, it's perfect because grow up is the 28th, 29th, and 30th. So the 28th, I'm supposed to be judging flower at grow up. So at the judges' table this time, the 29th I'm supposed to be judging hash for grow up there. The 30th will be a day of recuperation slightly because I'll be at the smoke pit smoking and then the after party. So probably not a day of recuperation, but a day of just a little bit lighter consumption than the day before. And then I'll have the 31st, which will be a full day of recuperation because that'll be travel to Toronto some time in Toronto and then going to the Blue Jays game. So that will be good. That'll be fucking good just to have that day to not be smoking, smoking like a fucking chimney. <laughs> I need to get you seeds for the exchange. I forgot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I should be able to get to the exchange on the last day for sure. And I might send Dustin or somebody else in there on the – first day and see if they can maybe do some trades that day right because there's supposed to be two days of it so send somebody in that first day here get rid of all these see what you can get for them like go one for trade them one for one or two for one whatever just get some killer shit and we'll divide them up afterwards right you know that's my first interaction with um the og surefire seeds it was even before the um, seed alliance discord because somebody gave me his peanut butter breath there oh yeah that's right because you got that peanut butter breath, and that was the one that you were looking forward to. And I, the pineapple and blueberry muffins was the one that I was most excited to run. Because I remember he was talking to you about those seeds, and you were trading him one. And he's like, oh, you're with him? Here, I'll give you one too. Right? Because I didn't have any seeds to trade. And he just tossed one at me, and I looked at it. And then it, well, of course, the Catarados takes over. But that those were bought seeds. They're not traded seeds. I'm still hanging on to those peanut butter, or not peanut butter, those pineapple uh, sorbet cross with the blueberry muffins we got there. What the Canarado? No, those um, in the silver packs. Do you remember that very first trade we did? The guy came over and he had the pineapple sorbet crossed with a the blueberry muffin. These ones. <clears throat> the bomber berries. I don't even remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. I ended up with those, and then I traded them. Yeah, you traded them for your peanut butter because that's what he was – he was like, oh, shit. And you're like, here. Because you thought you would just double back and trade and go, 
oh shit, dude, somebody grabbed your bomber berries from me. Or if I found a cut, I was going to send you some. So that's why we were like, fuck yeah, that works. And then I yeah, saw I Brandon, getting ripped and, on. Auto, and then it was fucking over. My, fo- my focus was gone. I was no longer trading seeds. I was buying seeds. <laughs> you had a bucket full of those. Yep. And I can't wait. I cannot wait to drop those. But I want to get I want to get my shit sorted. I want to get my pheno hunts done a couple of times, know what I'm doing, and then drop those seeds. Go, oh, yo, they were cool peeps, same eh? lab reserve. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm I actually just started uh bullshitting with him again lately. He's gonna be at uh, Lyft too, so we'll be able to hang out with him over there. I'm gonna make nice. sure I bring some fire to share with him. Cause I should have that auto well, I'll have a bunch of auto flower to to share, which is shitty because I've got so many phenos that are on the works <laughs> that I want to have flowered and ready to harvest, but not quite there. And I don't even know if this auto flower run is going to be done in time. I'm hoping it is. I'm going to be probably locked in fucking harvest and trim jail for the three days leading up to the heading to grow up. Because I'm still waiting for those auto flowers to finish up. Is there? Oh, what are they? Week? They're coming into the start of week thirteen on Tuesday, so they're getting to the end. Week thirteen. Yep, that's from me when I put the seeds down. No, week thirteen for the auto flower from start to finish. Man, what is wrong with this one? So, and I, I, think I got something stuck in here. Yeah, that's, I'm talking, and that is, uh, that is the start of week 13 from germination. So, from when the seeds got put into the Jiffy pods. Cause I like to track that time because that's what they say from germination. This takes 83 days and it's actually 120 days. It's like, fuck right off. It's 120 days. Call it 120. Yeah. Bro, that it, whole first month is just the seed getting into an actual plant. Yep. And then you start your time. And yeah, these auto flowers. I don't know, I don't, like, bro. A lot of those times where they say like a number, I don't even look. I don't even base it off of that shit because so it's usually wrong. Yep. Well, for me, I'm just hoping that a either they're going to take another month, which is fine, because I have the space in my garden to make up for it. I can let all of my other photos run in the smaller pots they're not going to be root bound anything along those lines if they last another month that's fine because i can tell my mom or jackie or whoever that's taking care of my garden on this day flip the fucking lights off and just leave them off if my plants are in the dark for four days and they start drying that way so be it i'm not upset a full plant dry is actually going to be more beneficial than anything it's uh, it's literally sitting in a in a opportune environment for that it's not going to get mold. It's not going to get anything. So sitting in the dark is fine. If it has to sit there for three or four days before I can get home to harvest, so be it. Yeah. But I don't want to have it be sit, lie, hit, hanging there drying and be on the second week of dry while I'm out in Ontario. Because I'm going to be stressed the fuck out every minute of every day going, is my butt over dry? Is my butt over dry? Is my butt? And then there is no recuperating. Once it's gone, it's gone. So hey, yo, Darren had that same fucking problem when he came out here. He yes. was in that literally in the same situation. 
And for me, I wasn't planning for lift or else I would have organized this run a little bit differently. So I was harvesting now. Then I had four weeks, had it cured for two weeks, and then I'm bringing out good cured bud, not fresh. Because now I'm going to have to put it in my auto cure bags and bring it with me to make sure it doesn't fucking mold on me for the cure. Because I, I know I can't rely on Jackie or my mom to go and burp those containers properly. They just don't yeah. have the understanding and the knowledge. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole time. So it'll just auto cure bags, bring it with us. Then we can fucking smoke it. It's fresh. So be it. It's dried, but it's, it'll be decent. Dude, I dip into my uncure all the time. I, I'm usually pretty good at not dipping in, but. Bro, takes, I found it, them. I found them. Look, look, them? I'm, look, I'm right here, okay? I'm right here cleaning my stuff. I look up. They're right here, dude. Just out of eyesight. They're already clean. <laughs> There's a victory. Oh, what? Dude, I'm pumped. I got to take a piss, and then I'm going to smoke a joint. <laughs> Give me a minute. I'll be back. Oh, nothing is better than finding those little kind of hidden gems when you do go and get stoned, clean something up. You come back and you're like, oh, shit, that's a win. Or you go and you find a rolled joint that's sitting there ready for you in the morning. Or for me, coming in and seeing this bong freshly cleaned, sitting there ready to be smoked out of versus having the lingering leftovers from the night before. It's it's definitely a win, but that's hilarious that you guys got to see it on uh, on this podcast. And today, a little bit more of a variety show, just a little bit more of me and Mike hanging out. But we are celebrating our 25th episode, so I wanted to have something a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more fun going out there. And with the styles of episodes that I have coming, there's going to be a lot more in-depth conversation happening in the near future, as well as more conversation just like this, where we're sitting down, we're smoking and just visiting for uh, a little while where honestly the topics and the conversation that we have on these calls and podcasts, I do think help the industry as a whole. And I think are beneficial for you all to be uh, taken a part of. So did you even hit record? <laughs> I've been, I didn't even need to hit record. It automatically records on zoom. Oh, really? I have it set so that I literally, I learned this because I recorded a podcast that never got recorded. So I should record a podcast. I took part in a Zoom call that was supposed to be a podcast with wow. Mikhail from Sticky Greens. And it was like an hour and 45 minutes. And it was still, <laughs> I will put down one of my top five podcasts I've ever recorded. Like it is by far one of the best. It is literally the staple I have in the back of my mind for these one-on-one -on -one podcasts. Podcast, it was never recorded. It was never recorded. And oh, no. I literally... I I had such a fucking mental breakdown after that one, dude. Like it took me a couple of weeks to come back and get organized and go back after it again. But, yeah, after <laughs> that, I learned there's an automatic record for when you hop into a Zoom call. So every single one of my Zoom calls has an automatic record that pops up. I don't even have to hit it; it's automatically recording. Because I noticed when I got on the call, this was like probably one of the first times that I've got on a call recently that hasn't I haven't heard. Yeah, uh, this call is being recorded. <laughs> yeah, and it's because I've I have that already running. Like I've I'll go through and usually just sit in a Zoom call with my mute mic off and my camera off 
and smoke and just scroll through reels or watch YouTube videos or something while I wait until the guest comes on. And then once I see them pop up, I make sure it's recording. I turn my camera, I turn my mic on, I have it ready to accept them into the call. And then I allow them in and then we go through and we do our, if it's with someone like you, we just start talking and we get going on the conversation. It's similar to what I ended up doing with the podcast that'll follow this one up actually. Um, Very similar. Just we started talking and that's how it's going to go. Then there's other ones where I go, I do a little bit of introduction, like with Wallace, we talk for about 10 minutes. We kind of get our, our rhythm going. I do my introduction and then we dive right into it. So it kind of varies a little bit, but I usually have it recording already. And I think there's like a pop-up that comes up going, this Zoom call is being recorded just so you're aware. And Did I give you my consent? What do you mean? Well, and that's the thing is that Zoom, if it's already being recorded, when you pop in, it has that kind of pop-up that comes up going, this Zoom call is being recorded and you are aware and pr- provide consent or whatever it is, the wording. Anytime I've had that, um, like I take part in the U-Tender Zoom calls or like the tether calls or any of the other ones, it has that on there. This call is being recorded for. Well, I don't know what idea you had, but I didn't want this on YouTube. <laughs> I'm fucking with you, dude. The amount of shit we put up on YouTube already. <laughs> uh, I don't want my I don't want my face on this. You're already back here for the third or fourth time on the channel now. People are gonna know I smoke reefer. We're we're celebrating the 25th episode of a cannabis focused piece of content here. <laughs> Yo, send me. You need to send me some some of your gear, dude, so for me to put at these tables when we're vendors. Yeah, I honestly the. The plan is happening because an embroidering machine was purchased. So we're, I'm going to be able to start making my own hats. I'm going to start doing like my own red leaf embroidered products just because embroidery is probably the highest quality you can get done for like hats and stuff along those lines. And yeah. it's the most costly thing to get done. So I we were able to order an embroidery machine and me and my mom are going to go in on a little bit of a of a business getting going with that, start doing my hats. And my brother's got his outfitting business that he needs hats done for. So we'll start. Dude, if you want to do stuff like this, we could do it for you. Like these, this is super thick. Hang on. And it's, we could get it done for like a super cheap price for you too. They're really good quality shirts. And like this print is not just like a print on there. Like it's that thick, like it's almost 3d type. Yeah, that's probably it's similar to what like Trees has got here, those heavy duty ones. Yeah, for sure. Once once things get going and blowing up, I will definitely need to reach out that way because those hoodies that I'm doing with the white ones, we're just doing in house. Like me and Jackie are just doing the vinyling ourselves, and that's the thing is a lot of my a lot of my stuff is we buy the bulk hoodies and then we do it ourselves too. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome quality sweater. The the Grinch one you sent. Yeah. And that's exactly what that one is, is the Grinch one was, we'd made it that way. So the red, the burgundy and white ones that will be ordered the same times that the hats are ordered and will go on sale probably mid to end of this month of May. Uh, You guys can reach out and start grabbing them. And once the hats and the hoodies get moving, we can maybe reach out into doing some other style content and like products as well, especially with the embroidery style thing too. I love, um, 
what's it called? I love the light or yeah, the light you have back there. Yeah. The red that is the sickest fucking thing. I that is one hundred percent the missus. I've got to give her a thousand percent credit on that. She got it for me last year. There was someone in town that was making them, and she got one done for me and gave it to me as my birthday present last year. And it's like the best. Like it is way better than any of like the standard LED lights for my logo. I find it just it looks so much better than I could have ever gotten it done with like the wow the wound led bar or the uh kind of um neon bars that you can sometimes see for where you are like the room that you're in and like the videos that you make that looks so much cooler than having a banner yeah like like just to have as a backdrop or it's always over your shoulder it's always changing yeah. it looks super cool it it worked it worked out amazing for what what i'm using and actually once i do get set up and i'm gonna be uh like if i i'm there's talks of me getting set up at grow up and doing podcasts there if i do i want to think about maybe bringing that with me to head, hang that there and have it available because there's it's like you said it's very very unique and it pops the logo incredibly well you could always make um say for example for future stuff when you're doing like uh presentations or if say you have a table at like an expo or something you could have, or for your panel discussions and stuff, you could have like a small version of that yeah. that you have set up on the table, like almost like a centerpiece. Yeah. And then it it won't like it'll still draw the attention, but it's not going to take up a big. Um, you're not going to need a wall. No, exactly. Yeah, there's a couple of ideas that I have for that because, like that panel podcast I had, that dispensary digest. I want that to be a regular piece of content I'm uploading. Like I want to have that regularly there because it's it's so needed like that yeah, entry level conversation is needed more than anything else have you started putting those links on high buds club i haven't started albert are you in the canner reps alberta group it's I'm totally not. unrelated to the school but it's a it's a whatsapp group with like industry professionals out in alberta yeah no i'm not in that that yet i'm not in, that's the thing is a, a lot of my stuff is just me throwing con my own content up and then like if i hear oh yeah somebody was sharing that i'm like Oh shit! I didn't even know that. Right? Get you into that because, like, bro, these are these are all people in the industry. Same with like High Buds Club. Going to those um provincial circles and stuff, or even like the or not even provincial. Go to the bud tender circles and just yeah. share stuff like that because that's like, bro, these are the conversations for them. Even like um uh, bud tender series and like all of your educational things for bud for bud tenders. If bro reviews even blast them on those platforms because those are the people that need to watch this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's the kind of the idea and the style of content that I've been creating because I've been hearing that the industry needs more of it than the consumers do. So that's why I've been focusing and trying to even change the language that I'm using to be, well, this is how you can sell the product. Like I'm going more on that style of the conversation than, well, this is who's gonna enjoy it. Right. We could provide that information to the consumer if we have that information at our disposal. So if we're actively learning, we could actively teach and speak about things passionately. And you're not like going, you, it gets to a point where you're like just having conversations with people and you're not trying to just drill them with a bunch of facts that you found online. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe just ranting, but I think, it, I think it's more beneficial for like your platform to be educating the uh, not for the reviews is perfect for consumers, but like all of the other stuff that you do, 
uh, for educational formats. I think it's perfect to be gearing that towards the industry professionals so that they could educate the consumer based off of all that insider scoop. Well, exactly. And I know that within each of those, I kind of have my own little rant, ranty moments where it's like, okay, you can tell that I'm going to kind of take the lead on the conversation. But what I'm doing is actually what Ashton did for me perfectly on that podcast is, well, do you, if you don't know what white labeling is, it's taking that time and explaining a term that got hit five or six times in that last little bit, explaining that because then all of a sudden that consumer or that bud tender has that terminology, hears it being used in actual conversations, so then can kind of correlate everything, then can start explaining that and seeing the connections within the companies that are producing and doing that, right? Like it's it's that connection on so many different levels that they can actually use the information they're they're hearing. You're providing PK sessions for people that wouldn't get PK sessions from these. Like, okay, the reps that come in and, and do the PK sessions for a lot of these LPs aren't providing the same level of information that they're getting off of the podcast that you're having with like these interviews. Like you're giving them a full, like one, two hour PK session instead of like a 15 minutes of rambling off the information that I could find online. It's super fucking important. Like, and even with um, the reviews that you do, like for like, other than the, the consumers having like uh easier way to shop and also like bud tenders, a more responsible way to sell the product. It's like they, they could break down that shit instead of just telling you what's on the jar. Well, exactly. And the idea and the kind of the, the reason why I break it down into the steps is so that the bud tenders then can use those individual components to ask the questions. Well, do you like to smoke out of a bong or do you like to smoke out of a joint? Okay, well, when you're smoking out of a joint, do you like something that burns a little bit faster or do you like something that's a little bit slower? You want something that's going to be like, it just, it's asking more questions. And the more questions you ask, the better detailed answers you're going to get. The bong thing too, the fact that you cover that for your tastings is incredible because like you're covering a demographic that most people aren't covering. And like, bro, lots of people smoke bongs. That's like the primary source of a lot of people's like intake. Well, and I'm trying to change the methodology and the approach behind bongs because like, I'm sorry, when I was listening to Adolfo in that cataract session where he's like, you will never get the same flavor from a bong. I immediately went, fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong. And I've, I honestly feel over the last four years of me talking about it have showcased that you can get a very unique profile from a bong. However, it is no different than rolling a joint. You need to put the same amount of care and the same amount of time into preparing that joint to being consumed as you do your bong to consume out of. That is where we agree. That is where we agree. For me, I I can 100% agree with that with not being able to get the flavors out of a bong. Cause like, it just tastes like dirty pipe to me, even if it's clean. So I don't understand how like, bro, you and Natty both swear by it. Like you could hundred percent get like nuances from the bong. I can't find it. But what is your, what was your primary method of consumption when you first started smoking? Bongs. Bongs. Were you smoking poppers through your bongs? Yes, but not not anymore. 
that's why I wasn't getting flavor originally. But I mean, now, like you have brand new. Pumps. How how many years were you smoking poppers? Like ten. How much, how much of a muscle memory is going to be correlated with poppers then? How much is you? How much of your brain is going to be expecting dirty pipe of a popper taste? I think it's the way I pull too, because I smoked poppers for so long. Like I'm, you want to basically the way that you cook your bowls different. You want to heat it up and and shoot them. You don't want to like slowly roast it. And that and and that'd be the thing is for you. You might have to go to take like, not even like something like a straight pipe, minimal water and hemp wick and just hammer purely that for a couple of months, just because it's got very minimal water filtration. It's going to give you the closest kind of heat experience to the joints. And you just go real small flour and you hit it with the hemp wick and you've got to essentially build the palate behind it because 10 years of smoking poppers yeah your brain like that's the big that's the big thing is it's muscle memory is a huge memory and your brain is a massive musculature like and neural pathway like it's it works on memory after your age i think it's after the age of about 27 90 percent of what you do during the day is habitual you created those habits in your first 27 years of your life flavors tastes all that stuff correlate into those habits because that falls into the 90 percent. you're gonna need to put me on game then because like i'm i'm planning on getting a, I, I just bro, it looks so sick i want to get this squat of fume uh bong it's got this like gas mask percolator thing at the bottom I'm trying to get that i like every now and again when i'm just busy around the house if i don't feel like hitting a dab or whatever i like to do what you just did have a quick little rip and go about my time instead of having to have my 20 minute journey with my joint yeah, but I feel like every time I'm doing that, like I may as well be smoking mids. It's like I'm just I'm not getting any of that that profile out of my good flowers. So like I I honestly like usually when I've been hitting bongs as of late, I just separate the seeds from my seedy weed and smoke that yeah. shit because I'm getting the same fucking flavor. Well, something's wrong. The with bongs too. Um. They're really like, and I, and it's funny because a lot of people say this with joints, you can't hide any imperfection in joints. Uh, it depends on the paper you're rolling with, how fast that paper burns. You can accommodate that flower a lot with a joint. If you're smart and you have the understanding of how thermodynamics and things burn, you can make a joint taste better. You have blood papers. You, I put my um, my CD weed. I still smoke my CD weed, bro. I take the seeds out. I smoke the shit. It still gets me baked. And I actually get like a little bit of an idea of what the profile is for that flower, even though it's completely diminished. It, it's still, it's... I, 70% for my, of a profile. Yeah, I still need that. And for me, like just to get through some of that flower after I've already like tested it, so I don't want to just dash it. I'll throw it inside like um, pink lemonade or like one of these flavored wraps. And this is the only time that I would actually like even use a flavored paper is for shit like that. That doesn't really taste good. Well, and that's, and that's exactly it. You are able to, of course, if you're a purist, you're only rolling with one style paper. We're again, we're talking about the exception to the rule. I'm an exception to the rule. I understand that with the bongs, with how clean I keep them. 
I'm an exception to the rule. And that's part of the reason why I get such a unique profile and experience from it. But was saying that if you were to do, if you were to sip, kind of like sip on, I don't know if you, if you do this too, but like the way that you inhale the bong smoke will contribute to how you're getting the flavors as well. And like, for me, I shoot it. Like, am I, what am I doing? That's wrong. Like I, at the end of the bowl, I, I pull the fucking bowl and I rip it. How are you, how would you sip it without dying? Like, can you show me? There's a reason why I have three different bongs when I do my reviews. And the reason why is this, this bong right here is the sipper. And the reason that is. It'll take longer for the smoke to travel, right? I'm barely drawing in. I am breathing through my fucking nose while I'm drawing through there. I can literally breathe normally while I build the pile in here because it's just a slow sip. And then done. Oh, wow. That through here. Now I go and I take that exact same tactic, same draw, like the exact same draw weight through here. Then it's not even bubbling. I literally, like, it's not enough. So it's the. So you think it's because I'm it's using consistent. paper bong? It is literally, you, because you have to, you have to think about it. What you're doing is you're passing air through the water. The more water that it has to pass through, the more physical vacuum you have to create to draw that through. Now, in addition, you're putting flour onto it. So if you're using a bowl like this, that here. Using a bowl that's like this, that's fucking wide open, like wide open right down the middle, like that, you're going to have a lot more airflow than something that has filters all the way through it, has a screen in it. So it's, it's literally all of a lot of bong ripping is physics. It's the passage of air through water, the vacuum pressure that's needed, the amount of force that's required to actually pull the flower in if you're planning to snap like it's for me i look at all this and i see fucking science and immediately my brain can start going okay well i need this much vacuum i'm not doing the numerical calculations but i've done enough various bong rips that i can just quickly on a spot go okay dry do a dry haul so you yeah. suggest that i get like an inline instead of a beaker you should go as basic and straight tube as possible with minimal water. And if you can start from there, because that's going to be like your heaviest and hardiest profile, because you've got the least amount of water filtration and you have the ability to do the least amount of vacuum. So you're not engaging your lungs overly and you can sip at your rigs and you can even just corner bowls and start with stuff along those lines too. Well, you think that would give me better taste if I did that? Start with, yeah, little, little bowls, hemp wick, and a straight tube. It's, it probably won't be right away. And honestly, try smoking just your highest quality flour through there. And the nice thing about that is when you roll a joint, just grind a little bit extra to fill two small bowls up. Before you And before you smoke that joint, take the one bong rip, let it sit, and let it develop for about 10, 15 minutes. Just lingering on your tongue. Drink water. And just let it sit. Then, 15 minutes later, hit it again. See how it feels. See if that secondary hit gives you a little more flavor. 
right? Then smoke your joint. And, it's just, and the nice thing about that is you're not going out and, oh, I'm going to be smoking my bong for the sesh. It's like, well, two bong rips before you smoke your joint. Well, if you get kind of meh flavor, you're going to have your joint at the end that you can enjoy. So you're not really wasting your flour. You're, like, it's just, it's, it, then you can become a, a part of your process and you just enjoy a couple bong rips before your flour because you can go, oh, this was taste better through the, the through the joint today, right? Because I like to switch it up, dude. Like, I love my joints. It's lit, like my, other than dabs, it's actually even above dabs, it's literally my favorite method of consumption. But I love to switch it up. Like, I still will hit dabs every day. Like, I would like to hit some bowls every now and again. I'll use a vaporizer every now and again. But, like, I want to get the best experience possible out of every one of these things. And I feel like the only one that I'm fucking up right now is the bomb. Well, dude, I'll come out for lift and we'll fucking, we'll spend three or four days. And cause I'll, I'm going to be bringing some of my glass with me. I'll either be break. I'll be bringing my dab rig for sure. And I might just uh, buy a bong out there and bring it back or ship it back. Uh, but yeah, because I, I saw those octopus rigs when we were in Niagara and I like, I just about bought one of those. For a dab rig, because those were so cool. Save some loot and get a real heady piece off each yeah. glass. He's got some fucking crazy shit, dude. Just spend for, spend like a G and get some of that shit. Like, yeah, for, for a dab rig, I probably will. I'll probably go and get a really nice... I, I do have an itch to get just one more kind of like mid, mid-tier glass bong. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'd love. To, I would much rather rep home, like hand blown, Canadian. Or, you need heady pieces, my yeah. friend. I definitely need heady pieces, especially for the reviews. Pull out three super heady pieces. Oh, dude, cool. we're actually we're probably gonna be sending you a kit too. I, I forgot to mention. I wanted to. I want like we're gonna send you um some squat a few stuff. Awesome. I meant to do that right before your birthday, and then I fucking gapped it. But oh, no worries, dude. All good. I, we're we're gonna end up getting into trouble in Toronto, anyways. So it's gonna be so much fun to make up for all that shit. <laughs> all all the time away from fucking hanging out, make up for essentially the six month breakaway from grow up. It doesn't even feel like that long. Nope. And now that, and honestly, with Dave being there, it's going to be fucking, oh, that dude, he's, and honestly, I don't think he's ready for the shenanigans that's going to ensue because it's just going to be, you're sitting there drilling, dude. Here's the next one. Like We're standing here and drilling. We're just going to keep handing it around, right? Right. I just went to the casino with him like a week ago. It was great. Well, it, what's funny for me is like Kelton and Dustin and they're like, oh, I can't wait to come. And I'm like, boys, you are like you watch that. You watch the sessions like you see how quickly they get. I'm going to kill them. That's exactly what I'm going to humble both those boys. <laughs> yeah, like that's exactly it. We sit here. I sit here and I just start laughing because I'm like, yeah, I'm high boys, but I can literally just flick the switch and go into this is work mode. Give me some water. Give me a coffee, and we're we're gonna smoke all day. Let's go. This is my afternoon here. I'm not even finished yet. 
Oh, I got an afternoon of editing. So that's going to be doing a lot of gardening, a lot of smoking. Yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my outdoors going, but you could probably hear, and I know anybody that's watching the curtain in the back can see the wind here is just fucking ridiculous right now. Do you have, are you bringing Dustin and, um, uh, kite over to Toronto? Sorry, I'm gapping out. No, no, they won't be able to come to Toronto. Um, they're going to come down to Edmonton though. So they'll get a little bit of an awakening at grow up. Cause I, well, you gotta, if you gotta get up, uh, increase that, uh, right of the leaf budget. You gotta send them over. Yeah. I, well, I need to get, I need to create some sort of revenue to create a right of the leaf budget because then so get up on that Patreon, man. Uh, I'm, I, I don't like that. I can't give you coffees anymore. And that the biggest thing for me is if I'm going to get on the Patreon or get on stuff like that, um, Cause like there are some like coffee for creators and stuff along those lines. But for me, I can't do something like that if I'm not providing some sort of content behind like that wall. So for me, honestly, what my plan was, and it really depends is if I can start getting the, a panel podcast rolling regularly, like the dispensary um, digest, I would go and run like a majority of it for free or have one episode a week that goes up or one episode every two weeks that goes up. Then all the other ones I'd have, I'd behind have behind a Patreon for like $5 a month membership, something really cheap. That's just enough to be able to kind of cover the gas, cover the going to those dispensaries and getting that set up, maybe getting some of the products to be able to do reviews, stuff along those lines. Right. So that at least I'm providing a value service in return for the coffee or whatever they're paying. Right. And if it's, five or 10 bucks a month. It's not a, not a crazy amount for four to eight educational videos that you'd be getting a month plus additional content and some other stuff. Because if I'm working on that, we create enough revenue and income and I can get someone editing. Well, then I can do more product reviews because I could record a podcast, go record a review, send them to the editor. The editor can upload them and have them up and ready to rock. Right. So it's, there is plans for that, but I want to be able to provide a quality return for anybody that is paying and, and give them more in return than what they're paying for. If you ever need an editor, bro, I definitely have somebody in mind for you. And he's in our, he's in our, um, he doesn't pop up that often, but he's, he always, he's not much of a typer, but he's always like checking our shit out. Yeah. He's in the disc. He's in what he's in the discord. Uh, Daryl. a black magnificent. Nice. Yeah. Like honestly, once I start having, um, like realistically once i have the revenue coming in to be able to cover the cost for an editor regularly that will be probably the first big kind of employment expansion i say employment in air quotes because it'd be like contracting or whatnot what's dave doing isn't dave doing that right now so dave right now is helping me with i'm getting him caught on how to do time stamping and stuff along those lines because what my thought is is if they just because he doesn't have um, the computing, uh, like the computer, to be able to do the ed- actual editing. So if he can do the time stamping, what he can do is he can just sit in, um, like the live streams and watch it on his iPad. And then when the topic changes on the live streams, he could punch in that timestamp and do a live time stamping for me on the live streams. So that then when people go back and watch the live streams, they're all time stamped. 
and he could do that live on there. But we need I just need to teach him on the process of time stamping and doing all of that. Just because it is a little bit of a it because you want to try and take the right time so that you get that search engine optimization and then what you're writing for the timing, right? So it's a little bit of a learning pro- curve. I've learned how to do it over the past four or five years, but uh, it 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 takes it takes a little bit to get. And he's got a good idea already. Deep. What's that? I didn't know it was that deep. Well, like for just for all of my yeah here so. My last two full podcasts, the one with <laughs> Yang Ya and the Dispensary Digest. So I'll sit down while I'm editing that, mark the timestamp, and then all of these are just my rough breakdown of what I would put there. That's not word for word what gets put down because as I'm typing, I go and I look at it and I go, eh, let's retype that and I reword it so that it has the optimization. So when someone Googles something, well, that YouTube video pops up because that wording shows up in a more often in you in Google searches. So that then my video gets pinged on a Google search. So then I get somebody coming in to watch. So it's search engine optimization is literally just pushing my video to the higher level of the search engines when people are searching stuff. So that's why, like, if you go and you look at my YouTube videos, the way I've written my descriptions and all that shit has completely changed because I've actually gone over and started using um, open AI to help write my YouTube descriptions to give me that search engine optimization. And it's just exactly. That's my dog, bro. Since I've I've started using that, the consistency in my viewership just amongst channel viewers has increased. So that means that I'm hitting their um, for you pages better which is exactly what I want. Cause if I'm hitting my subscribers for you pages better then I'm actually hitting people's um, discovery pages better. So I'm climbing a little bit more consistently and I'm actually getting a little bit more hater feedback on my channel than I ever have before. So I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing because That's I ha- I'm not, not getting all love. I'm getting some shit back from, from people. What showcases that I'm hitting search engines of people that are looking for stuff outside of just right of the Leafs reviews. So like, I'm, get, I'm getting shit on Reddit. I'm getting shit on some other places. So it's good. Channel's grown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That means you're branching out to different people. Well, exactly. Like, it's well, funny. What are people saying? Well, <laughs> well the, the one thing I posted on, on the Reddit chat, not Reddit chat, but the Discord chat about fucking reddit was the one guy calling me a corporate shill which was hilarious you doing these podcasts isn't that much of a uh of a flex as you think it is like nowhere did i say it was a flex i look at it as work i look at it as a duty not a flex of any sort i look at it as i should do this because i feel like it's helping and then it lists off all these things and i agree with like 99 percent of them so it's like, it's just apparent you don't watch any of my contents because I agree with the majority of these. It just looks like we have two different approaches to the solution. So if you want to continue to be negative, please kindly move on. <laughs> <laughs> like I that please kindly move on is my tip is essentially the fuck yourself. <laughs> People did that shit to me when I was posting reviews on Reddit because I like if I like something, I'm, I go in depth. And they thought I was working for these companies, so they just ripped me a new one. Yeah. Well, that's – and that's what's funny is 
on the Canadian cannabis, L, like the Canadian cannabis LP or whatever that Reddit page is, I get either love or nothing. Like nobody shipped. They str- tried to. They just don't anymore. And it, I think it's because of the consistency of my upload. Like they go and they look and they're like, oh, almost 400 flower. Like I'm, I'm over 350. I'm between 350 and 400 legal strain reviews. I've got the legwork in. <laughs> like I'm, I'm one of the few people who have put in the legwork. Like there's, I would say there's about a dozen people on Reddit that are equivalent or higher than me in the numbers of re- reviews that they've done and the in-depth that they go. And I respect the work they do. They're just doing it differently. Skidmania, I think, does quite a few as well. Yeah, Lester the Weed Tester is another great person for it. She goes a little bit more in depth than some of the other people, but that's more my cup of tea, which I like. I didn't know Lester was on Reddit too. I don't know if she's on Reddit, but she's. I know she does like the, like, that's what I mean. She's another person that does the strain reviews and provides the feedback for the industry. Uh, like they do I'm, a high club and Instagram more focused. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing is, or hi Mary. There's there's so many of us that are out there creating high quality content. I'm not going to shit on any of them. I respect and love what they do, and I actually use them as resources for what I go and review. I would ra- I would rather have my feed filled with a bunch of people doing what I do, and then I go through and go, ooh. This new tabletop ounce has got some hate. It's got some love. Let's hop yeah. on and review it. Why? Because everybody wants to watch the review on that. And it's the genetic that you we should all be reviewing because there's some people who fucking hate it and there's some people who love it. Those are the great genetics to talk about. If everyone goes, oh, this is great. <laughs> it's kind of boring. Yeah, you need someone to say shit. It's boring. It's that discussion. That's why I like people who come into my comments and go, you like this? Huh? Like, and especially when they, I know they create content or they create, they review cannabis because they comment regularly going, Oh, you like this? That's interesting. I found this tasted like this, this, and this, and it didn't really impress me that much. They're not shitting That's on like what I do. It's just, Oh, I'm surprised you enjoyed it. But I get, I used to get that a lot. Cause I fucking bro. Everybody hated everything spinach was putting out. And, and, um, Sun Farms, and I was over there like, bro, if, if that's what's there, I'm buying it because like I don't have a problem with their shit. I got, I love the um, the GMO cookies. I love the diesel. Um, fuck, I can't remember what the other one was that I really liked, but they weren't bad. And Sun Farms, even though it was like it kind of tasted green, they always had the genetics that I wanted. So I didn't care if like if I am on a budget, I'm buying it. Yeah, that's fair. And for me. I think it's because where you're located was the biggest benefit. You're getting the freshest Pure Sun Farms. And Ontario seemed to always have the better quality Pure Sun Farms. Because we got it out on t- in Alberta. It was never that good. It was always dry, small nugs, beat the fuck out of. Like, it was always just kind of meh. Pass it off. Like, good supply almost for me. Well, the Jet Fuel Gelato was nice and stinky. It was, I did not like it. The Death Bubble was my favorite. From Pure Sun Farms. I was the only one that I continuously bought.